Well, welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and I want to continue to show support for the Haynes family as uh, we continue to keep them in our thoughts and our prayers, keep, keep fighting through this time. Um, this show is presented to you by Great Southern Bank, and they are our presenting sponsor. And we're so grateful for Joe Turner and Kelly Polonis and all the team members over at Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. Other sponsors that we're grateful for and handpicked, Highland Dairy. Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar, Story Construction, Wes Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. We will talk about them all throughout the show. And uh, But before we get to our guests this evening, I want to recap a little bit of last week's show. Last week, we had the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame inductee, Daryl Smitty-Smith on, and he talked about his career in boxing and Mid Smitty's Midwest Boxing Gymnasium and what his mission is under that. If you want to listen to that episode, go to to a coach's perspective.com and listen to it under previous shows. You can also listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, and Verbal and Helium Satellite Radio. Well, I'm very excited to have with us tonight um, an Olympic medalist, and um, Courtney Ferrix is joining us. And later in the show, we're going to speak to one of the other inductees from the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame. We're going to have St. Louis Cardinals physician, Dr. Brian Mahaffey on. Um, but right now we have Courtney Ferrix, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've been, um, we, you've been on the show before, but I wanted to continue to pick your brain um, and, and congratulate you on your latest uh, accolade of a Hall of Fame induction. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to come back. Well, I, I know that um, this is a really cheesy question, but you know, you are um, still in the prime of your career and you're still training um, and you get a call that you are going into a hall of fame. How did that feel? It was honestly just such a, a shock, a surprise. Cause yeah, I, I think I'm kind of focusing still on what's next. And so yeah, to get this honor at this point was really special um, and just, yeah, I feel really lucky to be supported by by the Springfield community and all the surrounding area. Well, there were a lot of watch parties at the last Olympics <laughs> that were watching you. And I know that um, you you definitely feel a lot of love from this area, as you should. Um, let's let's go back to the start of your running career. I want to talk a little bit. You started running in cross country, correct? When you were in school? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is this where you, um, I guess, were snagged by that love of running? That's where I like, I think I really found my love of running. I had done some track off and on like prior to that first season of cross country, but I'd really struggled to just, yeah, find the love for it and really be like, yes, this is what I want to do. And the one thing I did love in track at the time were the relays. And, you know, I think that team element was just so much fun and you had like a greater purpose for what you were doing. And with cross country, you, you get that every race. Um, I think also just cross country was so interesting. Every course is different. Um, the time sometimes is thrown out the window because the course is going to, each course is going to have its own challenges and stuff. So I liked that kind of approach to it as well. Cause I think sometimes with track, especially, well, still currently, but especially when I was younger, um, sort of that, numbers side to it would become really like obsessive almost. <laughs> right. 
Well, I think that it is very, um, I, I think cross country is a great sport. I was able to to watch both of my children run long distance. I, I, I did not run long distance. Um, I was a hurdler, so it was um, short races, but I loved watching my kids and my son ran cross country. And, and you're right, the courses are all different. There's all kinds of different elements. And um, But what I noticed about the sport of cross country that a lot of people might not realize is when you go to a cross country meet, it, there's so much energy there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of energy with the runners and that has to be contagious absolutely I mean some of my favorite races have to do with the environment you know not necessarily just my personal performance but um the energy yeah that was around and you know whenever you see all the the parents and the friends running from point to point to point like it it kind of pushes you forward too and I'm you know I still think back to kind of my breakout race, high school, um, it was our home meet at Nixa and I'm probably about two and a half miles in in second place. And everyone was just getting so excited. And I was really able to channel that energy into, you know, kind of a second win. And I was able to go on to win the race with a big kick. And I think so much of it was just, I, I remember coming out of the trees on our course and there's that straight away to the finish as you're running toward the school. And it was just lined with people. And you sort of like forget about the pain you're in because you're just like getting pushed to the finish line by the crowd. It's, it's so much fun. Oh, that is great. <laughs> that is great. Well, let's, let's back up just a little bit to that, the statement you just said about the pain you're in. I want to talk a little <laughs> bit um, about the mentality of a runner. Um, you know, I've recently started a, a new running program. I have some friends that are trying to get back into running. Um, what, what kind of advice would you give them about that? Because, you know, you, you do have, um, have to have a strong mentality to be successful in running. And I think that's uh, what is your secret to your mentality? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of it has to do with patience, which is, I know so many people, I mean, that's one of the hardest things like, okay, I want to pick up running and you almost, you end up going like way too hard too quickly. So you like end up overdoing it like right away. And so, um, I think that's one of the biggest things, patience and just remembering like, it's all about kind of the sum of it, like it, it continuity, like um, building things like, like that. Um, and the other thing too, is like with running, especially distance running, you don't always want to go in thinking about the whole, because sometimes that can be so overwhelming. And so you want to kind of make it digestible, kind of be present, which is a really good lesson then I think for other parts of life as well. Um, And so, you know, if you're in the middle of a run and it's a distance you've never done before, it's like, okay, think about getting to a point that you have done before. Don't think about how much you're going to have left, you know, kind of break it down into digestible parts. Um, And I think that can really help to not make it seem so overwhelming and just be really present with what you're doing. And then, you know what, like if one section is getting really rough, you get to the next section, you can kind of reset. And you know what, you might find yourself working out of that roughness. Usually you don't stay kind of in those rough points, you'll kind of work your way out of them. That's great advice. That is great advice. It's almost step by step instead of looking at at the, the totality of what mm-hmm. you're trying to accomplish. It can be was- so daunting, like especially <laughs> if you're going for a long run or something, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I have like maybe it's your first double digit run. You're like, I have 10 miles. I've never done that. That's really long. It's like, you know what? Like 
I'm only going to think about this first half, <laughs> right. you know, things like that. And yes. I mean, that's, that's honestly how I've gotten through some of my really big races too. Cause like, I think there's a tendency if you think about the finish, you might hold back earlier on because you're thinking like, how do I get to there? Right. And then you miss out on opportunities along the way. I like that. I like that. I, I do think your definition of a long uh, run and my definition might be different. <laughs> You know, but, <laughs> but, it's but all yes. about, you know, <laughs> right. that's great advice though, to be able to just um, break it into parts. And I absolutely love the advice of being present because that to me is when your, your, your mind and your body are working together mm-hmm. and that can only carry over into your life. Yeah, Absolutely. And so that, you know, when, you, you know, you, one thing to go out into uh, my neighborhood and run or, or, you know, wherever I go to run, and it's another thing to be on a gigantic stage and be running um, mm-hmm. like you have been. So does your mentality change any from when, you know, from the training to when you're on, on the big stage, um, the world stage of the Olympics? Not really. And that's something I've worked on is that, you know, when I'm standing on those, on that line, you know, I might be in front of a huge crowd, but at the end of the day, it's still the same race that I've been doing over and over again and that I've been practicing for. And so, you know, the things I want to be thinking about or how I want to be focused um, are those same things that I've been working on in practice. You know, I think that just like with anything, like you wouldn't go and try a new play that you've never practiced most likely in a game or with running like Sometimes if you're doing like a longer race, you would do fueling in the middle of the race. You won't try new fueling in the middle of a, a competition. The same goes for your mindset. Like you want to practice kind of how you're going to approach it prior to that day. Cause otherwise then it can become so daunting. Cause you feel like you have to go to a place that you've never been. Um, but that's the reason you do all the training and the lead up to it. That's a, that's great advice. That is great advice. I'm going to and I'm going to practice that. Thank you. For yeah. that. I hope listeners that have also been, you know, thinking about getting into, you know, that either this sport for competitive reasons or even for just recreational, um, that is great advice to take not only for running, but for life. So thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I was reading an article that, that you also gave um, some credit to your past gymnastics and strength training um, that have also helped you along the way. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What else has helped propel you to your success? Yeah, um, you know, growing up, basically until I went to college, I was a multi-sport athlete. Um, running was just a small part of what I did. I was a soccer player. I did gymnastics. I mean, up until I went to high school, I was playing softball. I played volleyball in middle school, um, really just did it all. And I think that that is such a key part of my story to becoming a professional athlete, to having success in college. Cause a, it left me in college. So excited to really focus on a sport. Um, cause I'd been always changing throughout the seasons and, um, it led to a, a variety of different, like, I think skill sets, muscle development, Um, and especially for the steeplechase, I think that there's an element of athleticism from other sports that's necessary to be successful in that event, because it's not just running. Um, you have hurdling, which is a really technical, um, part of track and field. You also, the barriers, they don't move. They won't fall like a normal hurdle. So there's almost this fear piece of it to overcome and, 
I've spent years running at the vault stationary objects. Um, and so, you know, the strength piece, like with soccer, I had done, you know, a lot of lateral movement and with gymnastics landings, things like that. So I was able to very quickly learn, um, the water jump, which is a, a big element that I think some athletes struggle with. Um, and I think that's also what made the steeplechase so exciting for me as well, because giving up those other sports was really hard. And so I was able to really see how they became really important in this new event I was doing. And so um, realizing I could apply these skills, it became, yeah, it became a lot of fun. And I was just kind of like, oh, wow, this, like, this feels so perfect for me. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, and, and I love it that you were a multi-sport athlete when you were younger. I mean, college is more for specialization. And I, but I, I think there is such a, um, a key point that you're making that it is important to be able to, to gather as many different things as you can from sports to help you in the one that you may be following through with in college. And, um, you had a great experience in college, you know, at the university of Missouri, Kansas city, UMKC, and then you went to the university of New Mexico and, um, you just had a, a great college career and it kind of helped propel you um what were who were some of the people that kind of helped you along the way yeah um you know I mean honestly the most important person in my running journey so far um has been my college coach um it it's, was kind of a just a crazy situation and that I had committed and ended up signing to UMKC and the coach who was supposed to coach um, when I got there left and I do not meet my coach until the first day of practice. And so I went in not knowing anything about him. I just, I, you know, I do think that's an important lesson in that like UMK going to UMKC, part of it was for the running experience, but part of it too was because I could see myself going to school there. And I think, especially, you know, when you're looking at becoming a student athlete, uh, that's a really important piece of it because there's a chance you might get hurt or things like that. Like, how are you going to feel about the school if, if sport might not be a part of it at times? And so I was like, you know what, I'm still going to go to school there. Like it's a good fit. And he really took the time to get to know me as a person and learn my background. And he wasn't afraid to be patient and to, develop me he saw there was a pretty clean slate and he was like I want I want to develop this athlete versus like oh let's just see what she can handle and you know if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out um because at the end of the day like he really valued consistency he valued finishing your time as a student athlete and still having a really healthy relationship with running you know I think one of the worst things for him was getting an athlete and then by the end of it um them never wanting to go out for a run again because they felt like it had just been ruined for them. Because, you know, he's like, you know what, if you finish your four or five years, you have a college degree, you're happy and you still love to run, like he's super happy with the job. And so that was really the focus. We took a lot of time to learn the sport and um, just really set out on, on a, like a, a long plan versus anything needing to happen like right away. Yeah. And Fantastic. I learned how to trust in, in the plan and in the process. And, you know, I think that I was fortunate that it was a little bit easier, you know, 10 years ago, um, without so much of 
the information that's available today on social media and so many of the training apps and things like that. Um, it's so easy to get down in the comparison trap and, and play that game and be like, so-and-so is doing this, so-and-so is doing that. Should I be doing that? And every once in a while it would come up and um, he was so good about having, you know, an open communication policy. Like his door is always open in his office. He'd, we'd, I'd pop in and um, we'd have long conversations multiple times a week. And I would ask those questions like, you know, like, so my friend who's running at Syracuse is doing, um, you know, harder long runs. Like, is that something I should be doing? And we'd have a conversation about it. And he'd give me his reasons for why I wasn't doing it. And I'd be like, okay, you know what? Like, I trust you on that. Like, um, like I need to trust in my plan because you, know, you could have the best coach or training program in the world. And if you don't trust them, it's never going to work. Um, and the same goes for, honestly, like there were things looking back now that I know so much more about the sport that, yeah, we could have done differently. Maybe we could have pushed in this area a little bit more. We could have tweaked this or that. Um, but I didn't question it. And so every time I was stepping on the line, you know, confident with what I had done. And, um, and so it was working, you know, it worked. And, um, so yeah, he was definitely just, I just, I don't know that I would be the athlete. I actually, I know for sure I would not be the athlete I am today without him. And just, you know, he was the one that even I just finished my freshman year and he had told me, that I'd earned the right to an Olympic dream and that he wanted my goal to be on the starting line of the Olympic trials in 2016. Oh, wow. And so that is I remember incredible. calling my parents because he really wanted me to redshirt, um, like by choice, which can be really scary to do because every time I redshirted, it was, um, during a time I was actually healthy. And so choosing to redshirt like that, you know, you could end up wasting a season if you got injured later on and so um but we really wanted to take that fifth year so that I would be able to train with him up until the Olympic trials and my parents were like well I mean it seems like you're pretty far off from making the Olympics but if this is what you want to do like okay <laughs> I love that support I love that yeah. trusting support and unconditional support too that's that had to be very fueling for sure mm -hmm. That's yeah. wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I want to continue chatting with you. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the recent Olympics and the world championships and the stages you've been on. Uh, we need to take our first break. And so we want to thank Great Southern for being our presenting sponsor. Can you stick around with us? And we will be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. To a coach's perspective. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Highland Dairy. Highland Dairy is owned by dairy farmers and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact from scientific studies and professional dietitians that the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk and Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate and they're a proud sponsor of a coach's perspective. And I have a feeling that you like Highland Dairy chocolate milk as well, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's still a key, you know, key post-workout drink for me. So it a is. lot of those big workouts we do, 
we're popping by the gas station, especially at teen camps to get some chocolate milk. <laughs> it is the perfect combination of protein and carbohydrates. It really is. Okay. So we, we've been talking with Courtney Fericks here, Olympic medalist and congratulating her on her Springfield area sports hall of fame induction. And I, you know, we've talked a little bit about um, your, your past and how you developed your passion for running. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the silver medal in the Olympics. Um, I get teared up, but when I watched the race, I was just, I felt like I was out there, you know, going step by step with you. It was so exciting. Um, and it's such a long race, 3000 meter steeplechase. Um, there were 16 participants in this race and you held um, the lead for a very long time and you were so steady throughout the race. And I know that it is anything but easy but you are so smooth and so strong. Um, you make it look easy. And I know that it, it is not, <laughs> but, but I just think that, um, I hope you take, you know, that as a compliment because, um, it was just incredible to see you out there and, and congratulations on doing so well in that race. Thank you. <laughs> when you were on the podium, um, you know, I, I know that there were a lot of thoughts going through your head and, um, but I'm wondering if you were thinking of any certain person in particular, or if there was anyone that any, someone you were thinking about, not necessarily what you were thinking about, but was there anyone in particular you were thinking about when you were on that podium receiving your medal? Um, I mean, mostly just, I mean, honestly, all of that circle that's around me that got to that place. Cause I think, you know, it was hard that I wasn't able to fully share it with them in person. And so, um, yeah, you know, my husband, my parents, my sister, um, all my family, my coach that I was just speaking about, um, he actually passed away from cancer in December. And so to be able to, get on the podium at the Olympic games in his last few months was really special. Um, I kind of felt like everything that happened that summer of 2021 was uh, meant, meant to happen and for his last few months to just kind of celebrate our, you know, journey together. Well, I know that he was very proud of you and that, uh, that definitely meant the world. And, and he's believed in you since, like you said, the first day that you walked in your freshman mm -hmm. year. And so what a special relationship. And I know that he cherished um, coaching you and, and was honored to coach you. Um, so you had, you know, more recently you had the um, 2022 track and field world championships. You finished sixth and um, you said that you, in one of your interviews that you really fed off of the home crowd um, mm -hmm. and that you felt pretty um, electrified. How, uh, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, when you are running and you're trying to break it down into the segments, as you said earlier, and being present, mm -hmm. um, how does the crowd help propel you um, to, to, to be the best that you can be in that race? You know, especially at the world champs this year, anytime you like someone steps out in USA, they were just going wild. And so, <laughs> you know, particularly in, in those laps, like in the steeple lap five, lap six, like you still have, you know, a half mile to go during those and you're hurting. That's where I really found myself leaning into the crowd and trying to channel that energy, that excitement and, you know, be present for them. And, and at that point, I think this year I was trying to just pick people off and move and, and it really propelled me to have a really strong finish because I was able to, um, yeah, just channel that energy like forward. <laughs> That had to be a lot of fun. It really did. Um, you know, to, to be able to do that. I know that 
Um, you always have high expectations for yourself. Uh, you're probably your own worst critic. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably why you are such a champion athlete is because you you do have that mentality. And I just want you to know that you, you've been an inspiration to a lot of people um, in this area. And, and that has to feel good. And that has to be one of your accolades that I hope that you feel as well. Um, you know, from that race, you know, the show's called the coach's perspective. So I'm going to ask you a coach question, right? Mm -hmm. From that race, what can you take from that? What's going to motivate you in future races? What did you take from that experience? Um, you know, I really was proud of the fact that I, the beginning did not play out how I had hoped and how I hoped I would be like, competing at the front um but it didn't stop me from finishing strong and it didn't stop me from really then kind of realizing that there is a goal to work toward no matter what's happening and so I had to definitely at some point shift from being like okay maybe I can get on the podium today to be like you know what I'm just going to race the very best I can and, and beat as many people as I can. And so instead of going into a place of feeling defeated, I was able to finish with a, you know, like I'm competing today. And so, um, you know, I think it's really easy and especially like coming off having been on the podium last year to feel like something like you have to finish in a certain place or run a certain time to, to be successful. And I was able, really able to walk away being like, you know what, I did the very best I could today. And and that was successful. Yes. We talk about controllables all the time with athletes. And and that's, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm thinking about as you're talking is you're, you're going to shift your focus on what you can control. And, and I, I love that. That's a very healthy mentality. Yeah. And, And it helped me to be present. You know, I was present in the lap I was in instead of thinking to the end, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, at one point I was like 10th or 11th, instead of thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to finish 10th. It was like, you know what, I'm going to focus on getting with this pack over the next lap or, you know what, like I'm going to focus on being really strong this lap. Like maybe it's my technique this lap. So, um, and then suddenly in the last lap, I found myself kicking past people. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, it definitely, um, again, no matter what your place was, you're an inspiring runner. And I want to wish you the best of luck um, as you continue to train and you continue to to motivate people and, and continue to accumulate all of these inspiring moments in your life. Um, we definitely support you and wish you the absolute best. Thank you so much. Well, thank- I am so appreciative of, of the support from the community here. And thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time to do that. And we hope to catch up with you again in the future. Yes. (laughs) Sounds wonderful. All right. Well, we want to thank Highland Dairy again for being our, our sponsor for this segment, along with Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio. We'll be right back here. And we will be joined by St. Louis Cardinals physician, Dr. Brian Mahaffey. Well, welcome back to A Coach's Perspective, and this segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. They know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. Give Kelly Grant and Shane Rainey a call. They will take care of you. Give them a call at 417-326-7671. Also, look up West Logging on Facebook. You can find Danny West, and he'll give you a free consultation, and he's going to treat your land 
like his own. We also appreciate Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance sponsoring this segment. I want to thank Courtney Ferrix for joining us in our earlier segments. And we are now welcomed by St. Louis Cardinals physician, Dr. Brian Mahaffey. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jenny. I really appreciate uh, the chance to talk. Well, congratulations on your induction. And I, you know, the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame is what we're kind of celebrating tonight. But I also haven't had a chance to formally congratulate you on your Missouri Sports Hall of Fame as well. So just Hall of Fames all the way around. Congratulations. Well, and I appreciate that. And as I tell people, thank God they're sports hall of fames and not athletic hall of fames. <laughs> that one. I'm I can promise you that. <laughs> well, um, I want to I want to go back a little bit and talk about your time at Missouri State University. You know, you played baseball. You were named co-conference player of the year. You know, you you are in the Missouri State University Hall of Fame, too, besides the Missouri sports in Springfield area. Um, so what is it that you enjoyed about being a collegiate athlete yourself? Um, you know, the competition and in the drive to make yourself better uh, every single day. Um, uh, Coach Gutton you know, push that. And, and he, his success over the years has been the fact that he finds how to get the most out of each one of his players. And, and not a lot of coaches can do that. They have one way or two ways to do it, but he's very, very good uh, about, uh, about getting the best out of it. As he, as he said to me one time, he goes, you play better when you get mad at me. And he, And there were other players who were very successful there that he said if he did if he did treated them like like that, they would have never played. And um, and that's the secret to success. But, you know, it, it was not just that. It was my my assistant coaches, Brent Thomas, my all my uh, teammates. You know, when I was a freshman, I was taken under the wing by great, great guys who uh, really, really helped me understand what the difference was between high school and college and, and the commitment that it took to be successful. Well, and you you bring bring up competitiveness that I, I like that portion of it. And, you know, not it doesn't matter what it takes, being mad at your coach or, or whatever it is. Coach Gutton seems to find a way to motivate his athletes. But have you carried that over into what you do? You've worked at, you know, you worked with Missouri State Athletics for 16 years, Springfield Cardinals for 11. Now you've been seven years with St. Louis Cardinals. Do you do that with the athletes that you work with as well and try to find a way to motivate each individual? Um, absolutely. Um, and I, I think every single time uh, that I see a patient, no matter whether it's in my office, at Missouri State, with the Cardinals, throughout the organization, it's a competition for me. And I compete through them still to this day. Um, and it's a competition against um, their injury or their disease process and how um, how can we find a way to get them better quickly, safely, you know, back on the field better than they were before and then be able to maintain that? And we talk about that all the time um, of, how that, of, of how that works. But, you know, that's ultimately the, the goal. And, I've, and I've, I still compete through my patients. And um, if I didn't have that competitive nature still, I, I don't think I would be, um, you know, doing the things that I've had the opportunity to do. To do. 
And it's got to be difficult because one oftentimes when they come to the point that they're seeing you, something's wrong. <laughs> and so that that has mm-hmm. got to be um, an even a bigger trigger for your competitiveness that you have got to. And I, I can't say fix them. You got but you've got to try and get them back up to their potential. Um, and that that is quite a task. Um, how, you know, how do you handle the different attitudes that come into your office each day? Yeah, you know, I'll go back to to my my base uh, of, of of my life. It seems is is baseball. Individual, um, when you're at bat, it, it's it's you against the pitcher. It's a very individual sport. Everything else about it is a team sport. And so, for me as a physician, yes, it's my individual ability to. To, to make a good diagnosis, to be the best that I can be, but it's the team around me. It, it's um, our athletic trainers, my orthopedic surgery partners, our nurses, our physical therapists, our, our strength and conditioning coaches, our psychologists, our mental health coaches. Um, it is huge to bring that all to bear and then to be able to, to communicate with other specialties. You know, uh, one thing I learned early in my residency is, or my fellowship, one, you need to know the anatomy. That's helpful. Don't just say it's strain or strain. Um, but, but every athlete is a human too. And they have other human diseases that, that people don't think that they do, and, and they do. And so working with endocrinology, with psychiatry, with um, general surgery with whomever it may be to, to tie all those things in to maximize their God-given talent to go do what they want to do uh, uh, in, in the field of, uh, of sports, uh, whatever they choose to do. I think that's an excellent point. And I, I think there are, there are a lot of challenges that, that face, that are athletes face today. And I think one of the things that is, is unique about you is that you can fall back on what you say is your base. You know, you were a collegiate athlete, you understand the pressure that they're under. You understand that the different, uh, the time management skills. And, and if there's an injury, the, the, the perseverance that it takes to get back in a timely manner. And I think that helps them relate to you. And which is why you're so popular with every organization you work with. Um, do you, you know, speaking of the challenges, what, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that professional athletes are facing today? Um, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think Albert said it best in the, when they clinched the central division, he goes, you know, it, it's, it, there's a lot of money involved with it. There's no doubt about that. There's a lot of pressure because of that, but it's all, all of them at the end of the day of, of having the most success that they can have on the field. Um, and how do they handle that success? I think one of the biggest challenges, and I think it is um, throughout, um, our society and, and Smitty the other night at the sports hall of fame talked about social media. Um, and it is, um, there's a lot of good things with social media and there's a lot of bad things with social media. And, uh, these players, um, have to deal with that. Um, we talk about staying off of social media as much as you can. It's hard for me um, because I see things that come through that go after 
us as a healthcare organization and what we're doing with those players, knowing full well, I, I can't answer those because a lot of it's not true. Um, and, but it, but it does create other themes there that when you and I played, weren't there. Um, and when we were competing, we, we didn't have to deal with that. Well, it's infuriating sometimes the ignorance that can be freely put out there and that's supposed to just be okay. And they're getting paid enough money to just deal with it. And, and it's not fair. Um, they, they do have a human mentality and, and that is something that I bet is a big struggle for them. It is. And at the end of the day, they're not machines. Um, Robert may be close to being a machine, <laughs> um, but they're, they're humans. Uh, they have feelings um, and those feelings get hurt uh, just as much as anybody else's. And being there to help with that um, is important. And, and that's one of the things that we've been really working towards. Uh, and I mentioned it the other night. You know, we, we talk about the mind of how um, they, they think about the game of baseball and at the, at the minute level that they do, their bodies and what they have to go through to be a, a professional athlete. And what we do as a medical and performance team behind the scenes, minute to minute with them to keep them out on the field um, is extraordinary. But the other part of it is the spiritual part. Um, their, their soul and how they respond to different things. And again, everyone responds differently to different stimulus. And that's where, you know, my background and, and my experience as an athlete, I think can be very, very helpful. Um, you know, right before my senior year at Missouri state, goofing off a little bit with my brothers and broke my finger and I missed one game, um, and I will tell you, and the people around me at that time will tell you, it was not fun um, uh, to, to be around me at that, at that time because it, it, it's just, it's difficult to deal with, with those type of things. And, and to be able to explain that to my patients um, is, um, it, it is a good base to come from because I tell them, you know, I, I've sat there. I've been on the other side of this conversation. I understand what you're going through uh, and we're going to be here to help you get through it. And I think that relatability and that empathy is something that um, they they're drawn to because you do understand where they're, where they're coming from and you understand that pressure of getting back um, into the game. I think it, it's gotta be, you know, you say you have this team and, and, you know, it seems like though, oftentimes in your position, it is becoming, you know, not just the physical part of it, but you are doing a lot of mental training. You are doing a lot of motivating. Um, and I feel like your position is, is merging more into that sports psychology as well as the physical training. Do you feel that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and ultimately it comes down to, to trust, um, to being there. And a lot of people, you know, ask, you know, today we have a seven 30 game. I'll try to get down there about two 30 or three probably not doing a whole lot of medical stuff, but it's being seen and, and that the players know throughout the whole year, it builds that trust level all the way through to where when does, when something does happen, they trust that you're going to be there 100% for them. The coaches get that. 
I've said all the time, whenever, you know, when you're on the sidelines in a football game and the starting quarterback gets a concussion, if you don't know the athlete trainer and the head coach and you're walking up and say your starting quarterback can't play, if you don't, if you don't know them, you don't have a, 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 um, a relationship with them, that's a tough, tough conversation to have at that moment. But if you have that ability to have that beforehand, it's an easy conversation because they know where you're coming from. They, they know you're, you're going to do the right thing for the, for the kid, but you're going to do the right thing for the team as well. And it almost is preventative measures as well. I mean, you're you're watching them work out. You're you're making sure that their technique is, you know, that there's a lot of injury prevention techniques that I'm sure that you can show them as well. Um, that's got to be valued. That has to be valued. Very much so. So, okay, I've asked you about some of the challenges. Let's pivot and switch gears and talk about what is your, I can imagine that, you know, working with Missouri State was was tremendous and wonderful. You played there, so it was great to be able to work with those athletes, working for the Springfield Cardinals. But then you get this call to go to St. Louis to work with them. And I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but that almost seems like a dream job for you. Um, tell me what it is that you love about working with that organization. You know, um, it, it is. Um... I um, um I, and I said the other night it really is about the culture that that's there, um, and and you can feel it throughout the whole organization. I mean, yesterday, you know, I, I get to the ballpark, I had to walk out of the clubhouse or something, and Mike Shannon is there, um, and and you know, now retired. Um, and it's just, you know, it's neat to see them and to have him recognize me. And, and, I, and I tell people when I walk in into the clubhouse, whenever someone says, hey, Doc, how you doing? That means more to me than anything, because I know that, that there's that level of trust and, and it's all the way through. Um, you know, one of the sheer pleasures of my time with the Cardinals has been having Red Shane Dinks come into the doctor's office and in the training room and sit down and talk to me for 15, 20 minutes about things. And as an old baseball guy <laughs> that he, he is, was my father's favorite, you know, childhood player um, for the ability to sit down and talk baseball with him. It just, you, you can't, there's no amount of money, time, um, that you can put on that as a life experience. Um, um, but, you know, you also, there are things that you get to know that you go through with these players and with the staff. And I told people there, there are things that I know that are, that will go to the grave um, with me. And that's the other part of the trust factor that, you know, you're not going to go, you know, talk about, this or that, or, you know, last night, the text message I got about, well, tell me about someone's finger and all this stuff. You know, it's like, no, no. <laughs> right. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, that, that's the part of it that is, that is truly enjoyable, that culture to see that grow um, over time to become part of that culture. That is nice. And, you know, you've always been a Springfield guy. So moving to St. Louis had to be a big hook to get you to St. to, to leave Springfield and, and what a great place that you are at. 
You know, my, uh, my grandmother um, uh, passed away in 2018 and I left in 13 to take this job. Um, one of her big pleasures later in her life, and she was 98 when she passed away, was that all of her grandkids were in Springfield. And Alan, my middle brother, uh, moved away. And when I went to tell her that we were moving to St. Louis, she looked at me and she goes, I don't like that. Why are you moving to St. Louis? And I said, well, I'm going to take care of the, of the St. Louis Cardinals, the big league team. And she goes, yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, you know, Permission granted. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Um, so, you know, it, it was very difficult for us to leave Springfield. Um, I mean, it is our hometown. It's where we raised our children. Uh, we have great f- friends that are still there, um, and, and it was it was not easy. But as my as my wife said to me when we were talking about it, she goes, "There's two things I'm going to tell you. One, they'll never ask you again. If you say no, they're not going to ask you again. And two, you could put it in cruise control down here in Springfield and just kind of go through and do the things." And she looked. She goes. I'm not living with you on cruise control because you can't do that. Um, <laughs> and she's right. And, uh, you know, she's, she's the rock. We, we moved back. I mean, her family's from St. Charles. We live in St. Charles now, and that's been very, very good um, uh, out of it. But, um, uh, it, uh, you know, it was not easy, but it was the right thing to do. It is. I like that. You've shifted into drive. That's for sure. (laughs) That is wonderful. Well, I appreciate your time and and chatting with us. Um, It's always enjoyable to catch up with you. And I've enjoyed watching your career and all the wonderful things that you have done and lives that you have impact. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Jenny. It it means a lot to to hear that. And, um, you know, you just, you try to be the best uh, human being that you can. And, and, uh, and, and help people with what, uh, what God bless you with. And I'm, I'm very, very lucky that uh, I have uh, some skills that I can turn that around and, and help as much as I can. So well, that's you. wonderful. Well, thank you. And thanks for joining us. And again, congratulations on your induction and best of luck with the card. Thank you. Appreciate it, Jen. Take thank care. You. And now for our post-game talk, sponsored by Story Construction. Story Construction has been providing high-quality and industrial commercial construction since 1966. This family-owned and operated business puts a personal touch on all full-service commercial and industrial projects. Visit their website, Story, S-T-O-R-E-E, dot com. High-quality service and high-quality satisfaction. Call Story Construction for your next project. And now let's move into our post-game talk. Knowing your calling and living it is thrilling. Are you doing what you were meant to? All right, so it's okay to have a job for sustainability that you enjoy, but make sure you also find the time to be a part of something you love. Being a part of something that you are truly passionate about and enjoy that side of your life as well. Let it feed you, let it feed your soul. That's how champions do it. And I'm gonna remind you as I do each and every week, be a good human, live your life, like a champion, like a human champion. And again, Art Haynes, we love you. We're pulling for you. Please keep fighting and know that our thoughts and prayers are with you. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.